Is that not a beautiful name? Who is worthy of all honor and praise, church? Ah, you didn't say that loud enough. Who is worthy of all praise, honor, and glory? I am so thankful the tomb is empty and that we get to gather on this day to make much of Christ, the one who gave his life, the one who kings will lay their crowns down and answer to. But know this, we too will answer to Jesus as well. And we will lay down our crowns and we will bow to him and confess him as Lord and Savior. You will either be glad when you do it or not, but you will do it. May you do it with joy and with great enthusiasm and excitement. If you will, take your Bibles this morning. 1 Corinthians 15. I know that normally on this Sunday we spend some time and some testimonies and things. We're going to... But I want to do it normal today, and so we'll have testimonies in the back. We'll have an opportunity for you to share a, a moment of praise. And so I, I look forward to even sharing my praise and thanksgiving this morning when we, after we gather to eat. But this morning I want to continue with where we have been journeying through, through 1 Corinthians. I have a goal. My goal is to finish by January. Let's see if it happens. And so of 1 Corinthians. But we are in 1 Corinthians 15 this morning, 15 verse 12. We will read in just a moment. My hope today is to encourage you that as we move into this season of Thanksgiving, that your heart will overflow this morning with encouragement and thankfulness I know that there is a lot of things going on in this world that weighs us down. Some of it is on a world, world kind of level, governments and sickness and those types of things, you know, pandemic and all that. I also know that some of it is on a more individual level, that some of us have experienced hardships of our own physical sicknesses and kinds. Some of us have experienced the death of family members and people that we love. Some of us are experiencing the threat of losing our jobs, and some of us are experiencing the difficulties of work and the difficulties of family. I understand that this world has many, many difficulties and many hardships, but I come to you today with a text, brothers and sisters, that will paint an alternative world, one that we do not live in by God's grace, a world where Christ did not rise from the grave. And when you finish looking at this, I'm just going to look at it very quickly, but when you look at this, you will rejoice and even no matter what we are dealing with we will rejoice because we know we have something to be thankful for no matter the circumstances of life and so my hope is this morning I come to bring a message that will encourage your heart and give in and hopefully help you to overflow with thanksgiving and the source of this thankful spirit will be found in a resurrected savior it may not look like it at first but you will soon discover the joy that I am talking about and so I want us to begin this morning Looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want you to begin verse 12. This is where we left off last week. Paul says, now if Christ, he says, um, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. 
our faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that He raised Christ whom He did not raise. If, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now... I love these words. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. May God bless the preaching of his word this morning within the church of Corinth, as we see there in verse 12, that there were members who were preaching or or either talking about or believing. At the end of the day, they were moving away, at least, from the belief of a physical and bodily resurrection. As we can see, they apparently had no problem with Christ rising from the grave. But regular people like you and me, they had a problem with. We, we are not Christ, we know this. And so for whatever reasons, and we'll get into this maybe in the weeks to come, they were beginning to believe and to embrace worldly philosophies of their day. Worldly philosophies of their day that influenced their mind and their heart and began to move them away from the hope of resurrection for themselves. And so they believed Jesus rose, but they believed that we could not. And so the Apostle Paul takes these next nine verses to demonstrate the danger of such a belief. Now last week we saw that Paul presents evidence for the resurrection of Christ according to eyewitness testimonies, according to prophecies that were fulfilled, according to life transformation and and other things, but we only looked at those three last week. And so these verses now, Paul moves into another form of argumentation, another form of debate or evidence for the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of us, the believer. These, These verses will deal with what is known as the proof of contradiction. In other words, you present the contradiction of your case, of your statement. And by looking at the contradiction, you realize the can of worms that you have opened. And so Paul wants to prove the resurrection by showing them that if there is no resurrection of the body, that this is going to lead to a chain reaction that is going to have devastating consequences upon those who, are, who believe in Christ. John Locke said it this way, Our Savior's resurrection is truly of great importance in Christianity, so great that His being or not being the Messiah stands or falls with it. No resurrection has devastating results. It will unravel the gospel. It will unravel our hope. And so notice the seven things, and I'm going to look at these very quickly, and then I want to spend time by flipping them around. Notice the seven things that takes place in this chain reaction. If there is no resurrection of mankind, if mankind is not going to be resurrected, then notice first he says Christ has not been raised. Well, but yeah, but Christ was God. Christ was 100% man. He was 100% man. He was 100% God. As Christ is, so we shall be. We are forever, our faith in him forever links us to him. As he goes, so do we. And you'll see this more as we walk through this. So if there is no resurrection of 
the physical body of mankind, and there will be a resurrection of the believer and the unbeliever, one to life and one to judgment. But if there is no resurrection of the body, then there can be no resurrection of Christ. Well, now you have opened up a can of worms because now Paul says your preaching is in vain. That word vain means it is empty. It's hollow. It's nothing. You are, as the King Solomon has told us in our Sunday school lessons over the last several weeks, you are chasing after the wind. And you will not catch what you are looking for because you have nothing. Your faith is in vain. It is hollow and empty. It is meaningless. Your faith does nothing for you. Not only that, if Christ is not and if Christ is not raised and your faith is worthless, then our then we are still excuse me, we are still in our sins, and therefore still under the judgment of God, and we will forever be cast into the lake of fire. We are also liars, for we said that God did something that he did not do. But not only are we liars, Christ lied, because Christ said he was going to rise. And not only did Christ lie, God himself lied, because God said that he would send a redeemer who would die and rise from the grave. And so here we see that not only are we liars, God himself is a liar. We are also never going to see our loved ones again. There is no hope of seeing those who pass from this life to the next ever again. Whether it be the lake of fire, internal darkness, or whether it's annihilation and oblivion, whatever the case may be, you will never see them again. And he also says, of above all people in the world, the Christians are to be the people who are pitied the most. Because you are pathetic and miserable people. For you place your hope in something that will not come about. Could you imagine this morning if this was true? I understand that there's a lot going on. I understand that we've all or have endured the, the trials of life and the difficulties of life, brothers and sisters. But could you imagine that if you were to yank away the resurrection of Christ away from us, if you were to yank away our only our hope of resurrection, can you imagine what this world would really be like? Could you imagine what we would be like? A life without resurrection would be horrible. But praise be to God, Jesus rose from the grave notice that Paul deals with in verses 12 through 19 with the what ifs what if Christ is not raised well then your preaching is in vain what if Christ is not raised your faith is in vain what if Christ is not raised but in verse 20 Paul says we don't deal with what ifs we deal with the but nows notice in verse 20 he says but now This is a fact, this is a statement, this is truth, this is real. But now Christ has been raised from the grave. I've already given you the evidence. I've already shown you eyewitness testimony. I've already showed you the the prophecies of that. And we looked at the probability of that. That this was was a phenomenal act of God, of, of, of Him fulfilling all of these prophecies. And we saw the transformation of individuals' lives that Christ came into their life and they transformed them. Paul has already laid the evidence of this. And so instead of a life of what ifs, instead of an argument of what ifs, we are dealing with the but nows. But now Christ has risen from the grave. But there is more. It also says that if Christ has risen from the grave, notice in verse 20, the first fruits of those who were asleep. Well, brothers and sisters, first means there's going to have to be a second. If there is no second, then you're just an only. But if you're first, that means there's got to be a second, there's got to be a third. So you are the, he is the first fruit among a line of many fruits. Or as Paul writes in Colossians, he is the firstborn among the dead. 
So therefore, you and I then become the second and the third born from the dead. What does this mean? It means that just as Christ has been resurrected, there are many who will follow him. In other words, brothers and sisters, hear me this morning. We too shall be resurrected to a physical glorified body. This, if this is the case, then what Paul has done is, is that he has presented an argument of, con- of contradiction. And if he, then he says, but now Christ has been raised. And so you get to flip it. Pa- Paul says you get to flip it now. And you get to look at it not as a what if, but you now get to look at it, but now. So, so I want to go back and I want to look at all seven of these, a little more in depth. And I want to show you these. I want to sh- share these with you in the light of the resurrection. I want to share these with you with the but now. Christ has been raised. And so I want to give you seven reasons this morning that you and I can be thankful. Seven reasons this morning that none of us should be grouchy this morning. Amen? There's seven reasons this morning that no matter what you've endured and no matter what you go through, that this is so great and so wonderful, we have hope and therefore, and therefore should be thankful this morning. Number one, but now Christ has been raised. Reason number one is Christ has been raised. And so Paul's argument was if he had not, if the dead cannot be raised, then Christ cannot be raised. And so we stand and fall with Christ. You need to understand that, brothers and sisters. Christ is the second Adam. The first Adam we fell with. Adam fell. And so we fell with him, but Christ came. He came and he lived perfectly. He died this, this life of, of sacrifice, willing sacrifice, and rose from the grave. And so we are going to be like our second father. Those who are in Christ will rise with him. We are forever connected to him. We stand and fall together with Christ. Now, imagine for a moment being on a sports team where you have a star player. Where the difference between victory and defeat is whether that individual plays. If he does not play, you will lose because the rest of you are worthless and horrible. Like my entire high school career. But there's that one guy. That guy is so good and so great. If he is on the field, victory is ours. But he doesn't show. Defeat is guaranteed. Friday, dead. Saturday, dead. But on Sunday, He is risen. He is on the field. He is here. He is alive and He is well. And so because our star player is here, victory is forever guaranteed. Beloved, Christ has been raised and our resurrection stands with Him. Our victory is guaranteed. And so therefore, I am thankful this morning, and so should you, that Christ is alive. Christ is alive, and he reigns with power and majesty. Unlike all other religious founders, Muhammad, dead, Joseph Smith, dead, Buddha, dead, Gandhi, dead. Name them all, all the kings, all the rulers, all the people. They are dead, dead, dead. But not Christ. And not only is he not dead. He still, He reigns and He is with us. For Matthew 28, 20 says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Romans 8, 33-35, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died, yes, rather who was raised, 
who is at the right hand of God and also intercedes for us for who will separate us from the love of Christ. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? By no means. Why? Why will, we, why will these things not separate us from the hope that we have? Because Christ is alive and He intercedes upon you. Brothers and sisters, be thankful this morning. He is alive and well and He will hold you fast. We have every reason to be thankful this morning. But secondly, if that was not enough for you, secondly, our preaching is now not in vain. For Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is empty and meaningless. But he has been raised. And so therefore, you flip the script. Our preaching is not empty. Instead, our preaching is full. Full of what? Full of power. Full of transformation for lost and weary people. Full of transformation for the weak Christians. Romans 10 verse 17 says, So faith comes from, comes from hearing and the hearing by the word of Christ. He goes on to say, how, how happy are the feet of those who go and preach the word. Do you not know what this means? I know that many of you watch the television, you watch the media, and you're sitting there and you're going, is there any hope this world has? Is there any hope in this world? And you want to look to your politicians and you want to look to the experts of your day. You want to look to something being created or something to come out where we can finally go, there's our hope. But God has told us, I have given you something that is full of hope and full of power. It's called preaching. It's called the preaching of the gospel. That when we preach, brothers and sisters, we can be thankful today that lives will be transformed. Everyone else gives a motivational speech. Not us. We have power in our words. Our preaching has the power to bring the dry bones back to life. And so this morning I am thankful, FPC, that our preaching will, re, will produce results. It will. Is there someone that you're waiting to be saved? Is there one right now that you are broken over that is lost and dying and spiritually dead or, or, and you think there's no hope? Be thankful. By the word of God, he has told us there is hope for them through the preaching of the word, the preaching of the gospel. So we are thankful this morning that our preaching will have results. The unbeliever can hear the preaching of the word and be brought to salvation. Not only that, the struggling Christian can hear the preaching of the word, the promises of Christ through the preaching, and they can be consoled today. The weary Christian who continues to fight and is about ready to give up because they're so tired of fighting can hear the preaching of the word and be refreshed. The weak Christian can hear the teaching of God, the preaching of God this morning and be sanctified and find victory over their sins. Be thankful today, FBC. There is hope found in the continual preaching of the Word of God that brings about spiritual resurrection and life transformation. I am thankful that our preaching is not in vain. But thirdly, I am thankful this morning, our faith is not in vain. They say that faith is a crutch for the weak-minded, the feeble, those who do not have the emotional and strong will to, to go through difficult times. This may be true if Christ is not risen. But our faith is not a crutch. 
Our faith is real. Our faith has been placed in one who overcome death itself. Our faith has been proven over and over and over again. Was our faith not proven in Adam and Eve that when they believed that the word of God in Genesis 3.15, was it not proven that we, that we see with Noah that he would build an ark and that the flood would come and they would be spared? Was our faith not proven, proven that when God called Abraham and told him that he would bring forth a child where no child was, was supposed to be impossible to come forth and that child would, have, would come and be a blessing to all of the nations and that child would eventually lead forward to Christ who is the blessing? Was David not, his faith not found to be secure in Christ? Our faith has always been proven from his throughout history from the very beginning unlike the world our faith is not in people unlike the world our faith is not in worldly systems unlike the world our faith is not in ourselves all of these things consistently fail and are limited but we have placed our faith in that which has delivered time and time again and so this morning fbc i give thanks today because our faith will have results Death will not be victorious over me. I will rise from the grave. Why? Because my faith is like a chain that is forever connected to Christ. The firstborn from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep. As Christ goes, so he brings me forth from my spiritual death. And so he will bring me forth from my physical death, linking me forever to him. Give thanks today, FBC. You may not know it yet. You may not see it yet. But you will see the results of your faith that it is not empty. It will prove true and be full of victory over death. Number four, we are not liars, we are truth tellers. If Christ had not risen, then the gospel is a lie. The apostles lied. For they claim that Jesus did something that he did not do. Christ lied because Christ claimed that he was going to rise from the grave. God lied because he told us he was going to send a seed that would crush the head of the serpent. And he did not. We are liars. If there is no resurrection of the grave, brothers and sisters, you are a liar today because you have proclaimed truth and good news to a world. And yet, if there is no resurrection, it is neither true nor good. But now Christ has been risen, has risen. And so therefore, the gospel that we preach is true. And therefore, we proclaim that God did exactly as he told us he was going to do in Christ rising from the grave. And I am thankful today for the faithful truth-tellers throughout history. I, I am thankful for today for the men who sacrificed their lives to tell the truth of Jesus Christ risen from the grave. I am thankful for Peter who told the truth and was hung on a cross upside down. For I am thankful for the Apostle John who told the truth and was thrown on an island in his old age. I am thankful for all of the apostles who died and gave their life because they proclaimed the truth. I am thankful for Augustine. I am thankful for Polycarp. I am thankful for John Calvin and Martin Luther. I am thankful for J.C. Ryle, one of my favorite authors who I read. I am thankful for all these men throughout history who have proclaimed the gospel and the truth of Christ and they have given us their works that we may be, that we may be able to be sanctified and be encouraged by. I am thankful that these men, despite all suffering, 
sufferings and despite all persecution and despite the world telling them to shut their mouths, they proclaim the truth of God. I am, I am thankful this morning that God did not lie. That God did exactly as he told us he would do. And that God who did exactly as he told us to do as he said he would do, can be trusted with everything else he tells us to do. Amen? Because he kept his promise, brothers and sisters, I am thankful for the faithfulness of God that where men may fail me, where loved ones may fail me, where churches, church members may fail me, where I may fail myself, God will not fail because he is faithful. Oh, brothers and sisters, we have much to be thankful for today. God is not a liar. Christ is not a liar. Church, the men and women of church history are not liars, and you are not a liar. You are proclaiming a message of truth in a world that lies. And so I am so thankful, brothers and sisters, that every time that I turn on the media and every time I see a politician and every time I see something on the news and, and this, that, and the other, and we just, every time I go out in the, in the community and, and, and you just hear lie after lie after lie, I know there is something that is truth in this world. Oh, brothers and sisters, be thankful we have truth. We have something to stand on. Christ is risen. And he is faithful. Number five, I am thankful that we are not in our sins. Could you imagine this world, beloved? Could you imagine this morning that if, you were, if Christ had not been raised, that the promise of forgiveness and reconciliation with God would have failed? And you would be in sin this morning. You would be in sin. You, you would not be right with God. According to Romans 8.1, it says there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, brothers and sisters, because of the resurrection, of Christ's resurrection, I am no longer under the judgment of God, the condemnation that my sin deserves. I have been washed. We have been washed. We have been cleansed and made whole. I no longer have to walk in shame and guilt of my sin. I, I no longer have to fear the, co the, the, the coming judgment and wrath of God for my sin. I can worship in this place with gladness and with joy. I, I can approach the, the Holy One today. You, do you see what this is? The Old Testament, if you have sin in you, if you are sinful, you cannot approach me. But Christ died and rose. Taking our sin to the cross, forever nailing to us, making us right with God. That we who are undeserving of this can approach God this morning. Amen? You got to wake up on a Sunday morning and come together with a bunch of sinful people. And come into the very throne room of God and give honor and glory to Him. Why? Because you are not in your sins. He died on behalf of your sins. You have been made right with God. But I am not only thankful for this, brothers and sisters. 
I am thankful that my sin no longer has power over me. We're not only saved from the, from the penalty of sin. No, notice this. We are saved from the power of sin. Notice what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if, any, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, notice the resurrection, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And so then, brethren, we are no longer under the obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Do you see what he's saying? I'm not only not in my sin and the penalty my sin deserves. I am now being released from the power that my sin has. And so therefore, the, the anger and the lust and the lies and all the things that I do and all the things that I can't overcome. And for all of these years, those things thorns in the flesh that have held me back and have been hurtful and been offensive to a holy and righteous God that just keep nipping at my heels. He says, I have given you power through a resurrected Savior to overcome sin and be victorious in Him and Him alone. Hear me this morning, Christian. There is victory over your sin. You can overcome it. In Christ, not of yourself. He has power. He can overcome and sanctify you through His resurrection. Where is this victory found? It is not found in a tomb. But it's found in a throne. throne. For Christ is alive and well. Repent. Run to Him today. That the grace of God may empower you to turn from your sins that have so easily entangled us. I am thankful my sins will not be victorious over me. Number six, those who perished in Christ are not without hope. They are not dead. They have not passed into oblivion or annihilation, as some would believe. Nor have they passed, the Christians now have not passed into the lake of fire. Christians who have died and went died and closed their eyes in this world as paul says to be absent of the body be present with christ there but but job said job chapter 19 that when this body is gone and this it decays and i open my eyes i will see my redeemer and he says with my eyes only oh how my heart faints within me christians who have died go straight into the arms of jesus and they await the day that their physical bodies will be remade into a glorified body first thessalonians 4 14 for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Or how about we do a little spoiling here and we go ahead to verse chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, verse 42. You could, just, you could even just look ahead and notice what he says. He says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a, a life-giving spirit. 
However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy, and the second man is from heaven. And as is the earthy, so also those who are earthy. And as the heavenly, so also those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthly, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. You hear what that's saying? Loved ones who place their faith in Christ, you will one day see again in a glorified, imperishable body. One day, we too will rise like Christ from the grave and we can take comfort in knowing that we will be reunited with them. And so I am thankful this morning in this Thanksgiving season where death has reigned for many of us and those that we love. And death has seemed to have reigned across the world, which has been reigning from since Adam died. I mean, since Adam sinned, death has been reigning. It's always been here. It's always been there. But it has reigned. But I am thankful this morning that it will not have victory over us. Because I will see my loved ones again. But brothers and sisters, please hear me this morning. I will not behold my loved ones again in the weak, frail, powerless, sinful, just natural state that they were in when they left this world. No, I will see them anew. I will see them as Christ himself was and as we ourselves will be in a glorified, strong, heavenly, sin-free body. Amen? Brothers and sisters, those who have died are not, have, are not without hope. And neither are we. I, I am thankful that I will see not only my loved ones, that you will not only see your family, your loved ones of blood, but I will see my family of spirit that is not of blood. Imagine with me, brothers and sisters, on that day. We will be joined with Adam, our father, the one who fell we will be joined with Noah the law Noah the the one who built the ark and and became drunk and and still sinned against God we will be rejoined with Moses the lawgiver who broke the law and we will be rejoined with David the giant slayer Daniel the lion the, the lion tamer Isaiah the great prophet Matthew the former tax collector we will be we will be with John who, was the, who saw the revelation of God, John the Revelator and John the Baptist, we will be, we will be rejoined with, with Peter who walked on water and the Apostle Paul, the great missionary. We will be rejoined with Polycarp and Augustine, all these people throughout church history, Martin Luther and all of them, we will be rejoined with them and I will know them, I will see them and I will fellowship with them. But when I am rejoined with them and I am rejoined with my loved ones who have went and all of the believers throughout history have died we will join together and we will behold one another for just a moment where then in there in unison we will all turn and we will behold christ the king of kings and in unison with all of the saints throughout all of history we will sing holy 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 is the lord god almighty Oh, brothers, the dead are not without hope if they are in Christ. But finally, 
We are not pitiful people. We are not pathetic. And we are not miserable. If Christ has not been raised, then yes, above all people on the earth, we should be pitied. For we have based everything of our life on the tales of a dead man. But now Christ has been raised. And so our faith is not in vain. Our preaching is not in vain. Our sins are with us no more. And so therefore we are the most joyful of all people in this world. Cancer. COVID. Persecuted. Beaten. Imprisoned. Struggle. Difficulties. Ripped by wild animals. Mocked by men. We are not the ones to be pitied. Why? Because we have hoped in the one who has defeated death and risen from the grave. We above all people are joyful no matter the circumstances that come our way. For we know that our hope is not just in this life, but it is in the life to come. And so therefore, I am thankful this morning because of Christ's resurrection. That because of his resurrection, my life has purpose and it is not in vain. I may go through the valley. I may suffer. You may go through the valley and you may suffer. Horribly suffer. But you are not to be pitied. Because Christ is risen. I may die before Christ returns. But FBC, do not pity me. I hope you mourn my loss. That I'm not with you to cheer you up. I hope you grieve that a little bit. Just that you like me a little bit. But don't you feel sorry for me. And don't you regret my death. We have become a weak, feeble people because we regret the believer who dies. That when they die a harsh death, we pity them. Oh, how horrible that was. When they die a young death, oh, their time, they went too soon. When they don't experience the great pleasures that everyone else gets, they didn't get to experience. Brothers and sisters, if this is us, then we do not know the hope of a resurrected life. Because to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. Those who should be pitied are those who have been left behind. Those who are to be pitied are actually those who go who live a long, prosperous, physical life, but never come to salvation in Christ. Those who are to be pitied are those who are the most successful of people in this world. The kings, the governors, the richest, the healthiest, the most famous of all people. They are the best of all the world has seen. But they didn't come to know Christ. You pity them. Don't you pity the one that's up at, that's in the bed suffering from something, about to die, who's a believer. Their life is about to begin.
You can mourn, you can grieve, we can, we can hurt, but we do not feel sorry and we do not regret. We regret those who place their hope in a world, in a worldly system. We, we, we pity those who base their whole life and their solutions for this life in men of this world because it will fail them in the end. There will come a day when you will hear that I am dead. Mourn, grieve, but do not feel sorry for me because I am with my Savior. There will come a day when you, believer, will die. And when you die, I will rejoice with the saints that are left behind because where you are is where I want to be. Instead, brothers and sisters, I am thankful this morning that because of Christ, we are the most joyful. We are the most, we should be the most envied of all people in the world. We are not pathetic. For Christ has risen. And so FEC, we are here today. And we have every reason to be thankful. And so I close and I offer this to you this morning. That you take these seven reasons that are all grounded in the resurrection of Christ. And I would encourage you and I would plead upon you three things this morning. That you would discover the peace of a risen Savior. I know that many of us have struggled. And, and, and I know that just this past week my, my own family has dealt with death and suffering. My own family has, has lost one who they loved. I know that there is a world out there. And there's sickness and there's death. I know that, there is a, uh, that we're seeing the rise of totalitarian governments that oppress people. I, I know that there is wickedness that surrounds us, wicked individuals. I, I know all of these things, but hear me this morning. You should not be afraid. They should. They should be afraid. The wicked should be afraid. The evil rulers should be afraid. The tyrants should be afraid. The sickness and the plagues should be afraid. And death itself should be afraid. Because we know one who is victorious. We should not be afraid. Find peace in Christ this morning. I would say secondly today, if you are a believer, know Know this, know and rejoice in this. There should, be no, there should be no grumbling today, right? When we walk to the back and we eat, we should rejoice. And so sing during the invitation and rejoice during our invitation because we have something to rejoice in. And then thirdly, if you are an unbeliever this morning, hear me. Paul is talking about you, that if you have not placed your faith in a risen Savior... You are to be pitied. You will not see your loved ones again. You are in your sin. And whatever faith you have that you have placed in this world, it is in vain. Come to Christ this morning and know Him as Savior. Repent and receive and stand upon the gospel. You say, where do I go, Brother Brian? Where do I go? I can tell you where you don't go. You don't go to the tomb because it's empty.
Amen? You look to the throne where Christ reigns. And if you want to know the direction, brother and sister, I hear me this morning, I will be glad to help you find that throne room. Let's pray.